0: Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode. It amazed me today after talking with a few people that they still have no idea what's going on in Iran and I can't be mad at them because the reality is that the mainstream media is being completely silent to the situation. We hear more about what Kanye West is tweeting to who Kim Kardashian is banging to the Russian war and this is an embarrassment to the people of Iran and all the citizens who live abroad, outside of Iran, globally. Let's just break down some things. We'll have a little bit of historical context so everyone can be brought up to speed. Iran's history is very long. It exceeds over 8,000 years, and it would probably take us about a whole year of lecturing to really discuss the ins and outs of Iranian politics, social movements, its culture, etc., etc. But let's get back to the main point of these protests. On September 16th of 2022, Masa Amini, who is a Kurdistani Iran, she's from the region of Kurdistan, was visiting Tehran with her family. Reports say that the Morality Police came to take her away. Her brother was trying to fight them to see what the issue was. They told her brother to come pick up Masa Gina Amini from the police station within one hour because she's going to have a re-education course. Somewhere in this time frame, she gets beaten to death and succumbs to her injuries about three days later. Shortly after that, Massa is buried in her hometown in Kurdistan. After that, protests begin in Kurdistan. Soon they spread into Tehran. And within about a week, it's about two weeks, every region and every state in Iran has massive protests. Why is this so important? Because as we speak, this protest is being led by women and young women. It is the largest female-led movement on the planet. It is the largest female-led movement for women's rights in our modern-day history. We've probably never had a movement this large supported by this many women ever. Hate to say it, I haven't seen it in other countries. I just have not. This movement has been led by women, it's been fundamentally supported by women, and the rest of the population is sticking behind them. Massa Gina Amini's death sparked a volcanic eruption of anger for a country that is very young, over 40 years of economic failure, suppression, repression socially, and a theocracy that is like a dictatorship. People were fed up. Her death united the entire country and allowed them to see why they're so mad. It gave them an outlet for all of them to band together. Now, there are some news outlets out there globally who are trying to use this as propaganda for their own pushings. For example, in India, like the Hindustan Times, I believe, calls it an anti-hijab movement. Some people think there's a civil war. All these things are false. Let's just break down what this movement is not. This movement is not anti-hijab. You know why? Because there are hijabi women who are protesting for basic fundamental rights that we take for granted out here in the West and America. This is not an anti-Islamic movement at all. This is a movement where people get to have their basic fundamental rights, where people get to choose for women, for example, women get to choose if they want to wear hijab or if they don't want to wear hijab. If a husband and wife can hold hands walking down the street and not get questioned by Basij and Al-Rod's forces and and morality police so that a boyfriend and girlfriend can comfortably go to a cafe and have some chai naba with each other without getting beat up because they're not married. Shit, to even just be able to own a pet? There's just some basic fundamental rights that we take for granted but it means the world for these people in Iran. And maybe this is something we can learn, learn from in America, to not have our basic fundamental rights taken away from us. But back to Iran. You know, the New York Times had a very shitty article that says is all about economic you know, failures. No. This was about a young girl, the future of Iran, being brutally beaten and killed over nothing, whose life was being treated worse than a stray dog. And was killed worse than an animal over nothing. And people in Iran got mad. And the reason why they got mad is because enough is enough. In real Iranian culture, a woman is valued significantly. They praise her. They admire her. They cherish her. So to see the future of our country all of a sudden be killed over nothing, the anger just came out. And it reminded people of how bad the economy has been, how bad money's, uh, money has been mismanaged, how th- much theft has been taken out of the oil and natural gas funds that the country has, how how a country that, that can literally produce all of its food is having food shortages, how in the deep south of, of the states of Khuzestan and and uh, Baluchistan, they've been completely neglected. They have, they've had water shortages for years and this shortage has spread to other uh, provinces of Iran. And how they don't take care of them. They don't build any infrastructure. How the economies there are, are just failing. And people are barely getting by. So all these things came out. Out of her death. Out of Gina's death. And it allowed people to band together. To fight for what, is, for what they want. Now... Let's take a little bit of a step back. Why is Iran where it is today? We're not going to go back to the original like White Revolution that I believe happened around one thousand, nine hundred and six to one thousand, nine hundred and eleven. It's about one hundred years ago. We're going to focus a little bit, a little bit later in time from that period, a little bit sooner to our time frame. In one thousand, nine hundred and fifty, a pro-democracy uh, leader by the name of Mohammad Mossadegh, who at the backing of the noble Bakhtiari clan, comes into power. Pahlavi was seen as the father of democracy in Iran. Iran at that time, around that time, was so poor that he flew to the United Nations to nationalize the oil fields of Iran out of British and Russian hands. And people loved him for this, because in the 20th century, Iran's wealth was being raped and pillaged by outsiders, unfortunately. In 1953, the United States, along with the British government, conducted an operation known as Operation Ajax, I believe. I could be, it could be the wrong name, but they did conduct this operation, where it was their first successful coup in removing an elected leader from a country. They brought back the Shah of Iran, and from this moment, the seeds of discontent and, and distrust emanated among the Iranian population towards the West and America. What a lot of people don't know is that, it's a, is that around this time frame, the Ayatollahs ran a lot of schools for very poor and impoverished areas. And they then began to really enforce their teachings. Now remember, around the early, around the early 1900s, they had their own revolution, the Ayatollahs, but it failed. So it's about roughly about 40 to 50 years later, you kind of see a shining moment, and the population was also a little discontent. Regardless of from 1950 to 1970, the amount of wealth that Iran was generating and became one of the richest countries in the world, actually richer than the United States at the time. By 1970s, some discontent was arising in the Shah because of certain things that were happening. And by 1978, the Shah of Iran leaves and puts power into the hands of Prime Minister Dr. Bakhtiar. Carter comes into power in the United States, and instead of aligning himself With Dr. Bakhtiar, he decides to make a deal with Ayatollah Khomeini. Now, why is this important? Well, it's going to take us to where we are today. So instead of the United States supporting Dr. Bakhtiar, who wanted to live live and see Mossadegh's dream come true of having a constitutional monarchy, because Mossadegh in the 50s never wanted to get rid of the Shah. He wanted to make a constitutional monarchy, which is a form of government similar to what you see in Japan and England where basically the monarchy is present, but but it's more of a democracy where the people get to vote for who they want to have in power. And in the monarchies, there's a symbolic gesture. So this was going to be Bakhtiar's goal. But Carter said, oh, this sounds stupid. Why should we, why should we come and, and and align ourselves with a democratically thinking person? And he said, let's go to an, ex- an extreme religious zealot and geez, like that's gonna sound like a better deal. And the reason why he wanted to do that was because on the one side, Huomini promised a lot of things that he did to his population, such as you know, free oil and all these other things. But when Juan Mini came into power, he kind of said, fuck you, America. And this term became known as a blowback, where the United States comes and supports one character, but then that person comes and, and goes against them. Then in, the, then in 1980, At that time, Donald Rumsfeld sent to uh, Iraq, they signed a massive weapons agreement, and the Iran-Iraq war begins because the goal is to try to capture Khuzestan out of Iranian hands so that Americans can get get more cheaper oil, as Khomeini had promised to them. Now how is this important to today? Well it's important because the Democratic Party, under Carter, instead of aligning themselves with Bakhtiar, literally put Dayatollahs in power. This is a sin that we are all paying for today. It is a mistake that they made. And if, when you ask in America, whoa, who gives a shit about what's going on in Iran, well, you should give a shit. You should give a shit. You should give a shit because this is a mistake that our, our leaders made. And their silence today is even a greater mistake. And it is a wrong that they must correct. Had they never interfered, it'd be a different story. But they interfered many times. And it is now to correct, it is now their turn to correct that mistake. Because America put Iran here. And the silence of people like Kamala Harris, Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, these women who claim to be champions of women's rights and women's movements around the world and feminist movements are sitting fucking silent because they want this government and power. You have to just follow the money. If they truly had an issue, with the Iranian government, they would never allow their children to live abroad in America and Canada, but they live here freely and get to have a wonderful time without a hijab, without getting beat up and killed, while, while their fellow citizens in Iran are constantly being attacked. For something so stupid, it's not wearing the hijab correctly, which I just want to make this clear, is very anti-Islamic, because in Islam, there is no compulsory hijab. You can read the book, you can study it, there's no such thing as compulsory hijab, there's just being uses as a tool of control to suppress women and to suppress men who support women in having equal rights. And their silence is equally as bad because their silence of their silence, Kamala Harris's, Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton's, and Joe Biden's, their silence is equal to the murdering of Iranians that is taking place right now. We are the foundation of democracy. We are the blueprint for democracy. We are the franchise model for democracy and women's rights and women's movements and equal rights. And when there are movements going on in the world, it is our duty to ensure, to help those movements prosper and succeed. Apologies there. One thing that is a little disturbing about Iran up in America is that They have a bit of a generational gap in terms of knowledge of what's going on in Iran. You might see and hear a lot of Iranians on social media say you should go and call your local representative to place more sanctions on Iran. Well, this is the stupidest thing we can do. Because sanctions kill Iranians. It doesn't kill the government. It kills Iranians. I'm going to explain why. Due to U.S. sanctions on Iran, the people of Iran have no access to medical care and medical aid and medical equipment for their medical facilities. By about last week, around the second week, between the second and third week, because we are now in week four of these protests, just about every province in Iran, hospital directors and staffs and medical facilities were saying that they're running out of medical equipment. Sanctions do not allow, these, sanctions do not allow doctors and hospitals to procure the medical supplies needed to take care of their patients. So a lot lot of protesters are dying to injuries, whereas they would have lived had sanctions not existed. Had sanctions not existed, Iranians would have access to telecoms. There's no cell service right now and there's no internet in Iran. Some of us have not heard from friends and family for weeks. I had one friend tell me that they that they had no access for the last three weeks and all of a sudden they've had over a hundred messages on their phone from other friends in other parts of Iran and family. When those people could communicate with them. And she's like, where she's lived, she's had zero access. She said it so bad that, even as, of, that, that even, even as of recently, she still has no idea how much money is in her bank because A, she's afraid to go to the bank and B, she can't check what, what her balance is on her app because it doesn't